Winter infections are on the rise in many countries, just as experts warn we could be losing our ability to treat some conditions. Antimicrobial, antibacterial resistance is growing worldwide. It is a huge public health problem. If you're travelling over the holidays, what can you do to minimise the risk? Prevention is better than cure. It's still not too late. Go and see your travel doctor before you head out. Find out about the uh, vaccinations that you should have before you go. Travel in a post-COVID world. A new podcast from International SOS. Hello, I'm Paul Osborne. Antibiotics are often described as a miracle of modern medicine. They have made infections that in the past could prove fatal into something relatively easy to treat. But for how much longer? The World Health Organization is among those warning of a rise in antimicrobial resistance. Scientists at the University of Washington in Seattle designed a model to try to predict how many people died in 2019 of bacterial infections that could have previously been treated if it weren't for antimicrobial resistance. And they concluded, indeed, that 1.2 million people died directly of bacteria resistant to antibiotics. Reporting from France 24 earlier this year on research into the impact of antimicrobial resistance. It happens when bacteria and viruses no longer respond to medicines and it can make it harder to treat infections, as well as increasing the risk of severe illness, even death, and making common surgical procedures more risky. Add in supply problems in getting hold of some common antibiotics and it's a situation that has many medical experts worried. In an earlier podcast, we spoke to Dr. Miles Druckmann, Global Medical Director at International SOS, who spoke of his concerns going into the winter in the US with the so-called triple-demic of COVID, flu and RSV all spiking at the same time. We're tired. We want this to be over with, but we also have to continue to keep our guard. It also becomes a productivity issue. If you've got you know a lot of your staff out sick all at the same time, uh, it can really impact your operations and, and stress everybody else out. So even though everyone's tired and exhausted, uh, it's what we still have to be focused on. To learn more about the impact this is having, I've been talking to Dr. Irene Lai, Medical Director for Information and Analysis at International SOS. And she told me there are other conditions that are causing concern as well. This was something that I guess many of us weren't prepared for, although the warning signs were there, particularly this group of infections due to bacteria called group A streptococcal disease. And it's colloquially known as GAS, G-A-S, and the severe forms are known as I-GAS, invasive group A streptococcal illness. So in the Northern Hemisphere, we've seen quite a rise in these infections, in particular in the UK, but also from a number of countries in Europe. And there's a suspicion that this is also rising in, in North America too. Now, we expected a rise in infections as the COVID restrictions were ended in many countries. But on top of that, there's also been a shortage in some places of some common antibiotics. Yes, off the back of the, this rise in the flu and RSV and COVID, um, which are not treatable with antibiotics, we've been hearing about relative shortages in antibiotics, such as the ones that are commonly used for these streptococcal infections. And it's partly because of the rise in demand, the unexpected increase in these illnesses so that the antibiotics were not available in the pharmacies where people needed them, but also the paediatric formulation. So 
so the syrups and the um, suspensions that the children need because they can't swallow the tablets and the capsules. Temporary shortages because the manufacturers are ramping up uh, production and distributing them further. But yes, that's what I guess wasn't expected. You mentioned COVID there. New vaccines were developed very quickly to deal with COVID-19. But for infections like strep A, we are still reliant, aren't we, on the old antibiotics. And given that backdrop of growing resistance, are they still effective? So fortunately, yes. For whatever reason, the group A streptococcal bacteria retain their um, susceptibility to the older antibiotics, the early penicillins and the uh, derivatives from penicillin, the cephalosporins. So on that front, we're lucky. But yes, antimicrobial, antibacterial resistance is growing worldwide. It is a huge public health problem. And in fact, you know, the WHO has called attention to this issue and it is part of the Sustainable Development Goals tackling antimicrobial resistance. The World Health Organization, one of the bodies that is pushing for change on antimicrobial resistance, but it goes beyond issues around antibiotics, doesn't it? Yes. So, so the term antimicrobial goes beyond the bacteria. And so we have got treatments for things like fungi, but the drugs that we use for the fungi, fungi are getting resistant to those. And, and the fungal infections are things that we need to worry about as well. So post a viral infection, you are susceptible to the secondary bacterial infection. You might remember in certain countries in the thick of the COVID wave, we were hearing about this black lung. So that's one of the fungal illnesses, for example, with illnesses that um, dampen your immunity, so that weaken your immune system, you're more susceptible to uh, fungal infections. So the antimicrobial resistance, yes, it's a huge problem just beyond the bacteria. We've also got fungal infections. Now, a casual observer might hear this and think, well, if the old antibiotics aren't working, let's develop some new ones. But it isn't as easy as that. I'm, I'm sure it isn't because we haven't had a new class of antibiotics for over 20 years. Um, And whilst there's been some development going on, I guess it's been deprioritised, particularly as we've had to focus so much on COVID. Now, we are, of course, deep into the holiday season now. There are huge numbers of people travelling and mixing in different groups. What impact will this rise in infections have on people who are travelling? As a traveller, you need to be aware of what's happening in your destination. So not only is what's going on, what are you leaving behind at at home, but what are you headed into? You might be heading into a big COVID wave and you still need to practice those precautions. But beyond the actual respiratory illnesses and those surge in the seasonal outbreaks, what's there otherwise? For example, typhoid is something that we have a vaccine against. And the vaccine is even more important than ever because of the antimicrobial resistance of the typhoid bug it is becoming harder and harder to treat. You know, as prevention is better than cure, you've got to follow all of those um, safe food and water precautions, but having a vaccination before you leave. There are some locations which are renowned for having highly resistant bugs. Still not too late. Go and see your travel doctor before you head out. Find out about the uh, vaccinations that you should have before you go. Take your travel kit with you, which it should include a mask. You may need to have some standby treatments available with you because the treatments may be difficult to get in your destination. And, uh, you know, that extends to things like malaria, for example. If you're going to an area with malaria, often we recommend carrying a standby emergency kit. And what should be in that kit? Firstly, you've got to look at the restrictions of what you can take into a country. 
Um, and so if you've got prescription medications, absolutely they need to go with you. But please look up the restrictions because some of the medications which may be over the counter in your home country may be contraband in the place that you're going to. You may still be able to take them, but you will need a copy of your doctor's letters. You will need an explanation as to why you need these. Um, your medication should be in its original packaging. If you're going to somewhere with a different language, having those documents translated into the language of the place that you're going to. But then hygiene equipment, so you know your hand sanitizer, taking your mask with you. I like to actually have some little clean wipes with me. So when I get on the plane, I wipe down the tray, I wipe down the little hand rest. Depending on where you're going to, how much other equipment do you need? Like, do you need to take your band-aids? You know, that would be handy, for example, if you were to get a little cut, an antiseptic treatment so that you can treat your own minor cuts and grazes. Do you need, for example, water sterilization um, supplies? You know, is safe water going to be a difficult to access in the place that you're going to? Insect repellent, uh, really important. But of course, remember all of the restrictions about what you can carry, hand carry, and what you'll need to pack um, in your luggage and uh, put into the checked luggage because, you know, it may not be able to be carried onto the plane in your hand luggage. So I suppose the advice is to get vaccinated where you can to limit the risk of getting infected, but then also making sure you have the treatments you might need if the worst happens. Indeed. Sounds like you're ready to go on your trip, Paul. Dr. Irene Lai, Medical Director for Information and Analysis at International SOS. Well, don't forget you can get all the latest information and alerts on health threats around the world from our website, internationalsos.com. And from there, you can find out how to get in touch with us via our global network of assistance centres, available to clients 24-7. But for now, thanks very much for listening, and until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.